Hi friends, how are you? I hope you're in good health and secure. It's pretty nippy here in uh, Northeast Mississippi. And it is uh, the first of uh, another turn of the calendar, 2024. Of course, I have no control as to when you watch this video. Uh, it may be well into 2024 before you get to it. No matter, there is something uh, that I would like to discuss with you for a moment before we start the next chapter of Leon Hurwitz's translation of the Lotus Sutra, Receipt of Prophecy by 500 Disciples, Chapter 8. It is worthy of your time, I think, believe, to every now and again, and this being a time where many people reevaluate the way their life is going. It's the new year thing, the cycle, if you will. It doesn't have to be today. It could be in the middle of May. Whenever you find yourself getting a, a little blasé about your practice, this is what I recommend. And this is as good a time as any to do so. We have uh, easy metrics uh, by which to look at our lives. It could be your life in general, your life in relationships, your life in work, in practice, I would recommend looking at the entire spectrum of your life. In fact, we do that so little in our fast-moving, quote-unquote, society today that we rarely think of our lives in terms of the whole, right? We tend to think of our lives in whatever is immediately relatable to what is challenging us in a very short span of experience, time. So this particular time of year lends itself to a, a duration of a year, about 365 days, yeah? And I find it for myself, and I'm sure for many of you, kind of a challenge to sit down, clear-headed, not with any intoxicants or anything else, no distractions, turn off the television, turn off everything, and just ponder. And you could do this in front of your Buddhadon, yes? Ponder all of the situations you see you're immediately in your recent life dealing with whether they're challenges or elations or accomplishments, right? Just kind of list them in your mind. If it helps you to write them down, do that. Make a column. I achieved this. I achieved this. I really screwed this up. I, really, I never had this experience before, good or bad, right? Kind of don't get obsessive about it, but just generally. And I would recommend leaving some space between them because as we do this, exercise, you'll find yourself filling things in. <laughs> but seriously, just pick, I don't know, try to be reasonable about it. Uh, pick 
seven or nine things that are notables that you're dealing with now. And then kind of wipe that away from your mind, not entirely, but just the details, and think back to a year ago. And again, this is a time of year that's easier to do that with because that marker of Christmas, New Year, Hanukkah, whatever it is that you're accustomed culturally to deal with. Christmas in the United States is uh, is everywhere around us, so you can't miss it, whatever your uh, cultural history is. And so you, get, you have a reference to go back a year and go, where was I then? What was I going through yet? Oh, man, that major breakup in November. See, it doesn't have to be Christmas. But that time period around then, what was I struggling with then? Right? And then compare that to any marker you have. Maybe you don't have a marker that's the same, but similar or identify in that year ago what was I dealing with that created such a messy situation and then look to your current life and see if some of the things that spawned that problematic still exist. Are there still things that I need to clarify, work out? Or do they don't seem to exist anymore? Hmm? Look at things that you had successes with a year ago, approximately. And think, have I gone beyond those things now? Do those things even matter anymore? Have they just gone by the wayside and I don't even think about that anymore? I just, or that has turned into just part of everyday life and I kind of take it for granted now. Back then it was really important, right? Evaluate what changes has occurred in the last 12 months, approximately, of your life. And if you want to go further, by all means. I don't want you to obsess about this, but as I said when I started this, sometimes, maybe the middle of August, we feel like we're just treading water. In life, in practice, whatever. And so I highly recommend you spend a little time chanting, open up your channels in your mind, and then just sit and ponder, where was I a year ago around this kind of stuff? I guarantee, I guarantee, somewhere in there you will have a moment where you just are kind of floored. Wow, that doesn't even happen anymore. I forgot all about that. Right? But it takes some effort to consider and then ask yourself, what's the one consistent thing that's threaded throughout? And I hope it's your practice. I hope you can see that your practice, your determination has a common thread and the changes that you now experiences that you now take for granted because they're just inculcated in your moment-to-moment -moment being, they weren't so a year ago. This is a way, I think, to identify many strengths, many reserves you 
either weren't sure of or didn't even know about a year ago. And you can relate them quite seriously with your practice. Try to identify the moment it changed. Maybe it was that time you you really were chanting hard because you had to go to court the next day or something and you were scared. Oh, give me the insight, the courage. Let me feel confident about, bring about bringing about in my life the best possible result. Maybe I don't, quote, win. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's not going to be as horrible as I thought it was going to be. And then you come out of court that next day and, wow, what a result. A result you didn't even expect. And then think back around that time period and think, what was it that fundamentally changed? Maybe it's that, that kind of person that you got involved with that now no longer appears in your life. I know I've had realizations like that. Those take you off guard. Because when strikes like that that pull you into bad behavior or mistakes when they don't happen you don't tend to notice it you only notice it when you're in it and then with the benefit of time looking back oh what a dummy I was right or what a ignorant how naive was I whatever but when they don't happen you don't think about them and then with this reflection you can think Wow, I have a lot to appreciate about my life. How can I demonstrate appreciation for that in my life? Practice. Namo myoho bring your Buddha out. And seriously, appreciate it. Thank you. Mm. I'm so fortunate. I have this practice. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a consistent channel. That kind of exercise can be very, very useful in re-enlivening your resolve. Right? Your momentum. You're going through it anyway. Why not supersize it? <laughs> right? So... This is a time of year that is often used for this kind of thinking. But I want you to consider it in terms of your practice. How fortunate we are to have the Lotus Sutra, Nichiren's insights, and our very simple method of awakening our clear awareness of our life's momentum, our engine of life. But, you know, it can get, sometimes it can get, we're changing stuff, but we're not aware. And uh, we can get, you know, we're easily bored. That's us humans, our samsaric beings. It happens, of course. And sometimes we just need to sit down and go, okay, what should I appreciate about this? Why should I keep going? Right? Sometimes these are very profound questions, very scary questions. But be kind to yourself. You deserve an answer. So ponder it. The answers will come. And when they do, 
you can't you can't avoid appreciating the tremendous amount of change and growth occurring in your life sometimes it can seem a lot scarier than it did but it truly is not it's just the nature of challenges sometimes the challenges seem greater just because we're tired of having challenges <laughs> all the more reason to awaken your Buddha mind, which doesn't evaluate things that way. It just navigates them because they're gone moment to moment to moment to moment. Wow, fascinating. Let's go. Oh, we already are. <gasps> oh, right. All right. That's enough blah, blah, blah. Uh, I hope, especially this time of year, is a, is a time of struggle for this very reason. So hopefully that kind of an exercise helps you guys. If you have an idea in that regard, I wouldn't mind hearing about it in the comments. Probably most of the Sangha would read it thinking, yeah, I'm more like you, dude. I'm not like that bald guy. <laughs> as long as it stokes the fires of your resolve, your determination, your knowing, your confidence, right? That's the biggest thing. All right. Receipt of Prophecy by 500 Disciples, Chapter 8. At that time, Purna, the son of Maitrayani, who had heard about this wisdom from the Buddha and about these preachings in accord with what is appropriate and by resort to expedient devices. He's heard all of this before. He'd heard it this time anyway who had heard him confer on the great disciples a prophecy of Anuttara Samyak Sambodai, perfect and complete enlightenment. He's been paying attention all along, right? Who had heard further the matter of the causes and conditions of bygone ages, you know, how people tended to learn back in the day and this day and the capacities of different people and different levels of learning and realization. Hmm? And who had heard that the Buddhas have powers of supernatural penetration. When you enliven your Buddha nature, you see so penetratingly to the, the conditions and causes of things, how things come about, right? Obfuscations get blown away, and you begin to understand at a much more deeper, more profound level, yes? The nature of life, let alone your own, but that of others as well. This is all part of enlightenment, yeah? Powers over which they have perfect mastery. Well, we'd all like that. Instead of just mere moments, yeah? Gained something he had never gained, had before. And his heart danced with unsullied joy. So Purna is quite impressed by the ceremony in the air so far. Are we in the air yet? Maybe not. Sorry about that. But the, the assembly and the teachings to this point, yeah? Then he rose from his seat, went into the Buddha's presence, and with head bowed did obeisance before his feet, right? Then he stood off to one side, looking up at the august countenance, never removing his eyes, and thought, and thought, right? Because Buddhism is about the mind, so this is a mental exercise, so many of you so far through these chapters may have raised this very mentation that Purna represents in this teaching, 
You follow how this works? So now he has the thought, having garnered such a, a joyous sensation for everything we've learned so far, and his thought is this. The world-honored one is most unique. His deeds are rare. In accord with the varied natures of worldlings, right, living beings, and by resort to knowledge and insight, being skilled in the use of expedients, for their sakes he preaches the Dharma, extricating the living beings from their attachments. Extricating, I like that. Extricating, liberation, right? From their attachments, wherever they happen to be. In the face of the Buddha's merits, we have not words with which to express ourselves. We're in awe, right? Only the Buddha, the world-honored one, is able to know the vows we once took with deep thought. Hmm. At that time, the Buddha proclaimed to the bhikshus, all of the students, all the monks, and bhikshunis, the girls too, do you see this purna? Do you see this point of view? Are you there yet? The son of Maitrayani, or do you not? Do you get the point yet, or do you not? That's what he's saying. I constantly declare him to be the first among those who preach the Dharma. When you understand everything I've taught so far and brought you to in this assembly, with this state of mind, you should be first among those teachers of the Dharma. See, I keep converting this for you because I want you to know it's not the story of some guy named Purna, the son of some guy named Maitrayani. It's about our minds and how we consider what the Buddha is laying down. <laughs> I'm not making light of it. I just, this needs to be intimate to you. You need to know that this is about your mind and the state that it's in. Constantly changing, yes. Can you grasp, can you grapple with it and take control of it instead of just watching it bounce around like the monkey mind? Because this is where we're at at this point. Can you do that? Can you appreciate that you can do that? Hmm. I am also constantly sighing in admiration of his manifold merits. The Buddha is sighing at your merits to achieve this Buddha wisdom. Of how with pure efforts he keeps and helps to propagate my Dharma. So now this is some congratulations on bodhisattva practice. And yet another step in his elocution on the bodhisattva path, right? Of how in the midst of the fourfold assembly, right? Monks, bhikshunis, bhikshuna, men and women, lay people, men and women, the fourfold assembly, he demonstrates and teaches, thereby affording advantage and joy of how he 
perfectly he interprets the true dharma of the Buddha, thereby greatly benefiting those united in Brahman conduct, in elevated mind, dignity, conduct, yes. Apart from the thus come one, none can do perfect justice to his talent with words. Do not think that Purna is able to keep and help to propagate my dharma alone. For before 90 million Buddhas of the past, he also kept and helped to propagate the Buddha's true dharma and was the first among their dharma preachers as well. Now, see, if I hadn't been prepping you, you might miss the fact of that statement, that sentence, the depth of it. Because that would suggest to those who don't know better that Purna has had many lifetimes, that he's been reincarnated many times, and that he's lived around all of these other Buddhas in the past, and he's been doing this for millennia. But that's not at all what he's saying. Because this parable, this story, this analogy is about the mind, the same mind you and I have, this Purna is a personage meant to represent that level of insight, that understanding of the teaching thus far. And that understanding of that teaching thus far has aided people in previous ages. Not Purna, but the Purna mind. The mind of perception and understanding of these teachings. See, that's without time. That's not a person. That's a mentation, a type of consideration, a mind. Hmm? So call it the Purna mind. Maybe that Purna mind is something that Maitrayani achieved, therefore it's the son of Maitrayani. However you work that dynamic out, it's not about a person. Follow? Also, with respect to the empty dharmas preached by the Buddhas, he has clearly penetrated this teaching, having gained the four kinds of unobstructed knowledge, constantly being able to understand precisely and to preach dharma with purity, having no doubts, having perfected the bodhisattva's strength, see, I told you this was about bodhisattva, of supernatural penetration and constantly throughout his life, having cultivated Brahman conduct. Good conduct, yeah. That Buddha's contemporaries all thought that he was, in fact, a voice hearer. They just thought he was a shravaka. For by this expedient device, Purna benefited incalculable hundreds of thousands of living beings. He also converted incalculable asamkayas of humans, causing them to stand on Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. In order to purify Buddha lands, he constantly did Buddha deeds, teaching and converting living beings, O Bhikshus. Purna also received first place among those who preached the Dharma in the presence of the seven Buddhas, and how also, 
and now also is the first among those to preach the Dharma in my presence. This Purna mind. In the Kalpa worthy, that's the name of the Kalpa, he shall also be among the first, the Dharma preachers of Buddhas to come, and shall in every case keep and help to propagate the Dharma of incalculable, limitless Buddhas, teaching, converting, and benefiting incalculable living beings and causing them to stand on Anuttara Samyak Sambudai. This Purna mind will always function in this way. In order to purify his Buddha land, in other words, the samsaric reality, his environment, his mind, sorry, I lost my place. I'm sorry, I do that a lot. <laughs> he shall constantly persevere with vigor. What a perfect message for this time of year, yeah? Shall teach and convert the beings and shall at length perfect the bodhisattva path. Well, there's our mission, isn't it? Laid out for us. Cultivate the, the purna mind to support your bodhisattva path. After the passage of incalculable asamkaya kalpas in this land, he shall attain anuttara samyak sambodai and shall be called dharma glow. A thus come one, worthy of offerings, of right and universal knowledge, his clarity and conduct perfect, well gone, understanding the world, an unexcelled worthy, a regulator of men and sta of stature, a, gr a teacher of gods and men, a Buddha, a world-honored one. Well, that's what we're all working for, isn't it? So there he is, another encapsulation of what our practice is about, what this practice is about. That Buddha shall have thousand million-fold worlds equal in number to the Ganges' sands for a single Buddha land, the seven jewels for earth, land as flat as the palm of the hand without mountains or hills, in other words, no obstacles, vales or dales, river basins or hollows, the midst of the land filled with terraces and palaces of the seven jewels, again with the seven jewels. Namu myoho renge kyo. A Nietzschean must have been doing flips, right? The residences of its gods in the nearby skies, where men and gods may consort, each able to see the other with no evil destinies, also without women. We can drop that translation. But this is, again, the, the misogyny of 3,000 years ago is just part of the culture. So please, ladies, don't be offended by this. It's just expedient means. We don't need to use those devices anymore. In fact, we need to avoid them because they're nonsense, right? We know that now. So please, this is an old book. Hmm? All living things being bored by, born by transformation, including women, there being no lewd desires, 
all having gained great supernatural penetration, their bodies giving off a bright glow, all flying through space at will, which we all are, although I wouldn't say at will, it's just a consequence of karma, of the engine of life. Hmm? You can look, I, I've, uh, the engine of life, I, I keep referencing the uh, Buddhism reference, the first volume, but that is also reference, that is also a series of videos, so you can look it up in the videos if you don't have the book or the podcast, familiarize yourself with these terms. I really, I'm, I'm almost thinking that I might make the e-book available for, I don't know, a dollar, just because I think it's so important to understand the terminology of Buddhism, or maybe better said as to understand or to disunderstand all of the fallacies and misleading uses of these terms from earlier teachings that no longer really suit our modern day Lotus Sutra practice. Certainly not in the elucidations that our mentor Nitrin gives us, yeah? But it's right here. This is what Nitrin kept saying. Look, read it. It's obvious. Hmm? It's obvious to us now in Mopple. Wasn't so obvious to people before this age. But that's not our problem, right? We're here and now. All right, moving on. All without exception adorned with the 32 marks in gold. The living beings of that realm shall constantly subsist on two kinds of food, one being the food of the Dharma, joy, the other being the food of the Dhyana, joy, the concentration, the insights from mentation, right? Our chanting. There shall be a bodhisattva multitude numbering incalculable asamkayas of thousands of myriads of millions of nayutas who shall gain great supernatural penetration and the four kinds of unobstructed knowledge and who shall be able well to teach and convert all varieties of living beings. Its multitude of voice hearers shall be such that no count or numeration, no measure or calculation may know it all of them having gained to perfect perfection the six penetrations, the three clarities, and the eight deliverances. And I do have those definitions in volume two of Buddhism Reference. And those videos are yet to come, but they're coming. Such shall be the number of the incalculable merits of that Buddha's lands with which it shall be adorned to perfection. Now, of course, he's talking about future populations of people, right? We know there's approximately 8 billion people on the planet now, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about each generation accumulating. How many billions and billions and billions of people have existed over the last 3,000 years? Uh, that's a different number, isn't it? Incalculable, which is what he's saying. After that Buddha's passage into extinction, there shall be erected a stupa of the seven jewels, which shall fill the realm. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. 
the stupa of the seven jewels. And our propagation efforts will help this stupa to be duplicated and spread throughout the realm. Again, I can picture Nietzsche going, man, it's up to me. I have to do this. I have to embody this. I have to make it indelible, real. Because in samsara, if it ain't in your face, it doesn't exist. I'm pausing for you to consider that for a moment. That's mind-blowing. And you are there with me reading this and thinking, holy crap. This is my mission. This is mine to do. Yeah, when I say Nietzsche's doing flips as he's reading this, maybe not the first read, maybe not the second. Which read is this for me? Seven, eight, nine, ten. How many times have I read the Lotus Sutra? This is my first reading of Leon Hurwitz's translation, but it's still the Lotus Sutra, right? Same message. So, okay, at that time, the world-honored one, wishing to restate this meaning, proclaimed Gathas. Now, you know I love these gathas. They're really to the point. So let's see how this goes. Yeah, we're already 33 minutes. Oh, it's not that long. Let's do it. Do you mind if I run a little long? Oh, bhikshus, listen with discernment to the path trodden by the Buddha's son, which, because he has well schooled in expedient devices, was beyond reckoning and discussion knowing that the multitude craves the lesser dharma and fears great wisdom. For this reason, the bodhisattvas become voice hearers and cause perceivers. By resort to numberless expedient means, devices, they convert varieties of living beings, saying of themselves that they are voice hearers. Interesting. Far removed from the Buddha path. How amazing is that? In order to help people understand the path to Buddhism, a bodhisattva will not declare himself, well, I'm a bodhisattva, let me teach you, because people are reticent. Not all people, but many people are reticent to go, well, he thinks he's better than me, or, or, he think, or he's doing something he's going to try to teach me, but I'll never be able to do what she does. She's amazing. She's a bodhi. Okay, she's a bodhisattva, but that's not. I'll never get there, right? I'm stupid, or I'm, psh, I don't. I don't understand half of what she says. So instead of that, she, he, they say, "Look, I'm learning this right along with you. Let me share with you what I've come across. Let me see what you think." A much more easy dialogue to enter into an expedient device. He's teaching us how to teach. Far removed from the root of path, he says, they rescue an incalculable multitude because the point is to get them curious, to get them to enter into their own 
path. We don't know what that is. We just know the destination. Inspire to make them aspire. Hmm? All of whom they enable to achieve perfection. For even those of limited desires and of no effort shall eventually be enabled to become Buddhas. Inwardly concealing their bodhisattva conduct and outwardly showing themselves to be voice hearers, people of learning, people who are students, students studying. That's what Shravakas are. Though of slight desires and disgusted with birth and death, why does he use disgusted, right? We read in other translations, revolted, re revulsion or revolted the cycle of birth and death. It's not because we march with sticks and signs and birth and death sucks. No, our revulsion is simply pushing away. See, the translations can mislead. It's a pushing away of those earthly desires that trap us. We're liberating ourselves from the desires, not the things, the things still exist, right? It's, it's the separation, the, the dissembly of our mind's constant churning for desire of it. That's what we're pushing away. That's where the translation disgusted with, not because it is bad, it's our attitude that we're, uh, get out of there. Right? Attitude and intent. Once again. Though of slight desire and disgusted with the birth and death, leaving the cycle of the trap of birth, death, birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. They are in fact, and of their own accord, purifying Buddha lands. Because now all the stuff is free of all that conditional, psychotic attachment. Now it's free to just be. Remember Nietzsche said, even with sex, go home, make love to your wife, and while the two of you are engaged in sex, chant. Can you even do that? Chant together as you copulate. That's about tra trading out the craven motivations, the attitudes of ownership and possession for the act as it happens. How exalted a feeling might that be, free of the gamesmanship and tendrils of attachment. And the truth is, and this has been identified many times, at that moment of orgasm, all those thoughts are gone. They completely disappear. There is just orgasm. Can the entire act be that? Mm. Showing the multitude that they themselves have the three poisons, right? Greed. 
anger, foolishness. And also displaying the signs of wrong views, my disciples too, in the same way, by resort to expedient devices, rescue, liberate the beings. If I should fully explain my various transformed manifestations, the living beings who heard it in their hearts would harbor doubts. With too much information, we get confused. Now this Purna, this Purna mind, with deep appreciation for what all of this represents, right? That's the primary aspect of this mind, is extremely motivated. In the presence of a thousand millions of former Buddhas, cultivated with diligence the path that he was to traverse and propagated and kept the Buddha Dharmas. In order to seek unexcelled knowledge, in the presence of several Buddhas, he made a show of being at the head of the disciples, where he heard much and acquired wisdom. Buddha wisdom. In what he preached, he was fearless. He was confident because he heard it directly from enlightenment, from Buddhaness. Mm. Being able to cause the multitude to rejoice, never experiencing fatigue or disgust, and thus abiding the Buddha's enterprise, bringing all sentient beings to enlightenment, living beings to enlightenment. Yeah. Having already crossed over into the great supernatural penetration, being fully endowed with the four kinds of unobstructed knowledge, and knowing the keenness and dullness of the multitude's faculties, he constantly preached the pure Dharma, propagating such doctrine as this. He taught Thousands of millions of multitudes, right? They told two people, they told two people. See, this expands very quickly. Causing them to dwell in the Dharma of the great vehicle, the Lotus Sutra method. And also cleansed his own Buddha land, the land in which we were experiencing the engine of life. Hmm. In time to come, he should also make offerings to incalculable and innumerable Buddhas, guarding and assisting them in their propagation of the true Dharma. And he shall also purify his own Buddha land. By resort to expedient devices, ever shall he preach the Dharma without fear, saving an incalculable multitude and achieving omniscience for them, making offerings to thus come ones and keeping their treasure houses of Dharma he shall thereafter be able to achieve Buddhahood, being called by the name of Dharma Glow. The Dharma Glow. The experience of enlightenment. Sure, it's glowing, if you need a word. <laughs> His realm shall be named Well Purified, composed of seven jewels. Gosh, this is just so nailed down, isn't it? The Kalpa shall be named Jewel Glow. Why wouldn't it be? Have you ever seen your scroll glow as you penetrate your Guanzan mind and it reflects back at you? <laughs> the multitude of bodhisattvas being very great, their number shall be in the incalculable millions, all having crossed over into the great supernatural penetrations and the perfect might of their imposing majesty shall fill the land 
I look forward to that day. The voice hearers also shall be numberless, with their three clarities and eight deliverances, again, defined, and we'll do a video on that soon, well, fairly soon. And having attained the four kinds of unobstructed knowledge, the religious community, the, the community of our Lotus Sutra practice, shall consist of these. The beings of that realm shall already have detached themselves from their lewd desires, their base, samsaric, driven desires to be, and simply be, right? We don't have to build castles in the sand. Born purely of transformation, moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, with perfect marks they shall adorn their bodies, Joy in Dharma and joy in Dhyana shall be their food, and they shall have no thought of any other nourishment. There shall be no wimp, no unable to understand Buddha, nor shall there be any evil destinies, because what for? Purna Bhikshu. His merit, perfect in every way, shall gain a pure land such as this with a multitude of sages and great bodhisattvas, most numerous, incalculable as these things are. I have now spoken of them, but briefly. I'm just giving you a clue. And before we go on, this lesson is long enough, I think. We will continue, as always. in the next one. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Comments are always welcome. I deeply appreciate your support, your listening, your practice mostly, most of all, I should say. Take a few seconds to like and subscribe. It has nothing to do with my ego. It's all about the algorithms making this. It's a bodhisattva act. We want to propagate, right? So let's grow the Sangha. Take care of your health. It's a kindness. Truly, you do for yourself. But as you do for yourself, you do so for the trillions of millions of Nayutas of those you will influence. So it's important. Okay? The resources, you know, the links are in the description. Books, ebooks, mandalas. The free podcast, the free, oh, tons of information on threefoldlotus.com. Lots of helpful aids for understanding pictures, documents. You can use them for yourself. You can use them to develop your own expedient devices to help others, so on and so forth. Topics of discussion. It's all there on threefoldlotus.com, right? Course study materials. Apart from that, I don't think I have any more to blather on about, so <laughs> I will see you in the next video. Start this year with tremendous energy and anticipation of great things. Namo Myo Renge Kyo. Bye for now.